Hey everyone. Uh-oh. Hey. <laughs> We're gonna go ahead and get started. Uh, so this is a talk bookie to me. Um, this is a discussion-based podcast about books and book-related things. Uh, I'm one host, Aaron. And I'm Felicia. And this is a special episode, so this doesn't fall into our usual structure of uh, first of the month, middle of the month, last of the month, where we catch up on our TBR and things like that. Um, We attended an event called Y'all Fest in Charleston, South Carolina recently, so we thought that we would record a little bit of a looser episode about Y'all Fest, (laughs) some of the things that we saw, some of the things that we did, and... Um, you know, give a couple recommendations through throughout as well. So um, we don't have as much of a structure for this one, but I do have some background information on Y'all Fest. Do you think that'd be good to start with? Yes. I don't know if you prepped any of that or not. I have like like facts, but okay. not background. Okay, I've yeah. got very very light background. So uh, Y'all Fest, um, spell Y A L L. Fest, F-E-S-T. It's the largest young adult festival um, in the South. Um, It's one of the largest young adult festivals that specifically focuses on young adult literature in the country. Um, It was established in 2011 uh, by Blue Bicycle, um, Cami Garcia, and Margaret Stoll. So they're the ones who sort of created... they started it. Yeah, they created Y'all Fest in 2011. (laughs) Um, I can't remember the guy's name. I should probably get that. But the the guy that was the owner and operator of Blue Bicycle at the time was the one who sort of spearheaded it. Um, And then, uh, again, Cami Garcia and Margaret Stoll sort of jumped in on that and were two of the big names that were attached to it at that point. If you didn't know, the um, during the time that this came out, or that this started, Beautiful Creatures was coming out, mm-hmm. and it is set in Charleston. And yep. so that's kind of the jump start. They are the co-authors of the Beautiful Creatures series. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, currently, Margaret Stoll and Melissa De La Cruz are the co-chairs of Y'all Fest. Um, and also, uh, let's see, I have one more fact here. Uh, in 2015, they established Y'all West. Uh, which is the sister uh, uh, event that takes place in Santa Monica in California. Um, I was going to get the other guy's name here for Blue Bicycle. Uh, Jonathan Sanchez uh, was the guy's name from Blue Bicycle. I wanted to make sure to give some credit there as well since he had a <coughs> big hand in starting this thing. Um, so do you want to give us a, a few facts about yeah. it? Maybe we can talk about what it is and our So Y'all Fest was this past Friday and Saturday, the 10th and the 11th. It takes place in downtown Charleston on King Street. Um, that is where Blue Bicycle is, and that's where the main events are for the tents and signings. There were panels, there was author signings, there was giveaways and events, and like a red carpet preview situation. So there was, um, one, two, three, four, there were five ticketed events that you did have to pay for. When I looked at them originally, they were about 10 to $15 each. Hmm. Everything else is free. Yep. Everything else. Yeah. There were, it it looked like 30 to 40 authors listed that were signing books, autographs, whatever you needed for free. And a couple of the bigger <laughs> names had a few stipulations for them, like... Um, Cassandra uh, Clare had wristbands. Had, she had 200 wristbands, and you had to have a copy of her latest book um, mm-hmm. in order to get something signed. Um, and then, uh, was it Lee Bardugo uh, was limited? or who had, was, Lee Bardugo had, had 300, 300 but there was no 
stipulations, you could only get one thing signed. I yeah, think. and you had to go to Blue Bicycle at like nine o'clock Friday, uh, Saturday, Saturday morning, morning to get yeah. the wristbands as well. So yeah. that was a little bit <clears throat> of a difficulty. But, but the rest of them But those are also events free. that you could have paid for. Or booked for in advance. Yeah. The, the big author signings. Yeah, some of them. Yeah, they had a certain number of wristbands from what I heard that were set aside for like pre-order type stuff. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of them were given out and things like that. So, so um, just to list a few of the people that were there for signings. It, I, and it's going to be kind of a quick list because there was so many. Yeah, there were a lot of people. And... And we've said it a couple of times, but I would like to be clear that this is like primarily focused on young adult authors yes. and young adult literature. And it's free. Yeah. <laughs> you and, don't have to pay for stuff just right. to be able to enjoy the, the environment. For sure, yep. Um, so Alex Astor recently came out with Night Bane, which was their second novel. She was there. Uh, Victoria Aveyard wrote Red Queen. Lee Bardugo is the author of Shadow and Bone. Cassandra Clare does the Shadowhunter series. Melissa De La Cruz's Blue Blood series. Um, <clears throat> Margaret Stoll writes for Marvel for Captain Marvel and also did The Beautiful Creatures, like I mentioned. Um, Adam Silvera does They Both Die at the End. Um, what else? There's a lot. Gosh, there's so many. <laughs> uh, Rachel Lippincott did um, <clears throat> Five Feet Apart, which was a novel about... Um, Oh, it's cystic fibrosis is the one in the lungs, right? Oh, I'm the, I'm the it, worst I, it, person to ask about this. I yeah. read it, and now I feel bad that I don't remember. <laughs> I got it. No, it's fine. It's fine. Um, and the list goes on and on and on and on and on and on. And we did go to some of the panels. Mm-hmm. Um, the panels... <coughs> sorry. The panels ranged from uh, crafting characters, writers on writing, hope is a thing with feathers, writing lights in a dark world... Um, the horror, the horror beyond, beyond goosebumps. So young adult horror. Mm-hmm. And there was probably like five or six panels going on at any given hour. Yeah. So <clears throat> it is impossible to go to every single panel cause they overlap obviously. Um, okay. So the, uh, first day we were there, all I wanted was to stand in line for Red Queen. Right? Do you want to go? I was going to say, can we back up for just a second? Because yes. I was going to say, um, we we pull back the curtain a little bit here. We had to do a little edit there, so we lost our train of thought. But yes. what I was going to say is, um, the and in case you're not familiar with what this kind of oh, structure yeah. looks like and what panels look like, we're, we're throwing this term panels around a lot, and we've yeah. thrown some titles out there. So essentially what it is is they'll have like five to six authors on stage um, they'll have the theme or the topic mm-hmm. for the discussion. They have one of the authors as a moderator for it. And that moderator has some generated questions. So they will ask some questions of the panel. It'll get a discussion going. And they'll typically talk about whatever that topic is and let the conversation to sort of flow out of it. Um, normally about half or three quarters of the way through, they turn it over to uh, questions from the audience. Which are my least favorite. <laughs> yeah, they should remove them, which we can talk about that a little bit later. Um, but they'll put up a microphone in the center. People will line up and they'll ask some questions and the authors will answer the questions, uh, things like that. They're typically about an hour long for these panels, which is not enough time. No. Um, but it, And the day ends at about like five or six. And yeah. I think that... Honestly, it could go on a little bit longer and people would still be excited about it. Absolutely. But I think they were worried about like the fact that it gets dark. 
That and also, I mean, you're keeping these authors out signing autographs and doing panels like the entirety yeah. of the day. So, I mean, because like, it starts at like 10. Yeah, so, um, but yeah, the, the panels are really cool. They're mostly geared towards uh, giving writing advice mm-hmm. and specifically about like young adult writing or writing for young adult audiences. Or what young adult writing looks like in publishing today. Yeah, yeah. So they're really good for people who are interested in the craft. And for people who are maybe writers themselves and want to kind of break into the industry as well. Uh, but yeah, sorry, I, I didn't mean to no, cut in there. No, you're just, right. I want to make that clear because we're using that term a lot. Yeah. And I don't know so, if people will know exactly At the that same is. time that panels are going, there are also sponsored events, which were like, like spinning to win something mm-hmm. or entering giveaways. And also, authors were set up at different areas around the, the bookstore in different buildings where they were signing. Mm-hmm. So there were signings at the record store. There were signings in the courtyard. There were signings in probably like six other businesses yeah. in walking distance of Blue Bicycle. And it's really cool because <laughs> it's a good thing for like small local businesses <clears throat> to, to get kind of involved yeah. with the with the community and stuff like that. And, and get the word out. Mm-hmm. And it was really neat. It Overall, it was a very neat experience. Yeah. And every time we went somewhere, we were like, this this is free. Yeah. This is weird. Yeah, this is crazy. free. <laughs> For sure. Um, so, day one, we got there on Friday. Um, really, the only thing I, I really wanted to accomplish was on Friday was to get a book signed from somebody that I wanted and to get a book signed from somebody that Aaron wanted. Um we stood in line for about an hour and a half for me to get Victoria Aviard's signature on my special edition Red Queen. Um, if you listened to our mid-month podcast already, I finished that book um, Friday night. Mm-hmm. While I was in line, I only had 20 pages left. I read like 100 pages yeah, plus. In line. Yeah. In line. Which <laughs> is pretty wild. Um, <clears throat> it was... Actually, fast line once it started getting going. Right. Well, they it had just, to. They. It they, was just long. They didn't account for that many people. No. It felt every like. single time a a person would come out that was volunteering there, and they saw the line, they're like, "Whoa." Yeah. They. And it just kept going. Yeah. There was, and they they had to speed it up. They were telling people to have their books open, like they they were doing yeah. everything they could to speed it up. And what was crazy? So, if you guys aren't familiar, we went to. Well, you're not going to be familiar, but. We went to GalaxyCon, which is a comic and pop culture pop culture convention. convention in Raleigh. Everything needed to be purchased. Hmm. Every single signature cost money. Yep. So coming every off photo of, op, <laughs> right, everything. Yeah. Coming off of that, standing in line, I thought for sure, even though it said you know no prices or anything like that, I was like. This doesn't feel right. Something doesn't feel right. right about this. And then once we got up there, they asked yeah. if you wanted a photo. And, and I was like, no, I'm too awkward for this. Like, right. I don't, I don't, am I supposed to pay for this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Again, we, because like at GalaxyCon, if you just take a snapshot of a, a actor from a distance. It's like 80 so, bucks. Well, even if you don't, if you just do it without paying, mm-hmm. like the security will try to catch you and like look over your shoulder and make sure you delete it. I mean, they're right. super and there was, tight there was parts of the, the stairs that were blocked off mm-hmm. because you could look over and see uh, actors and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, it, was, it was a very different experience. Oh, yeah. That environment <laughs> is totally different. But. Um, So... After we stood in line for that, it actually overlapped perfectly where we could stand in line for um, Aaron to get Trung Tan Tran's mm-hmm. signature on She's a Haunting. Um, you've heard him talk about that book. He 
really liked it. Yeah, and it was great. <laughs> he absolutely wanted to get her signature, and I absolutely wanted him to get her signature, and her line was quick. Yeah, there was nobody in line, really. Yeah, was there was like and... 10, 15 people in line. Mm-hmm. It is her only, like, only book out right now, and I do think that... Multiple books means longer lines. Of course. Because yeah. um, you are going to reach a larger audience. But I actually really like that. We didn't have to stand in a very long line. Right. And also, I don't think that that book was as big of a hit nearly as a lot of the other books well, I mean, that were she's, there. Yeah. The lines, in comparison, were like Margaret Stoll and mm-hmm. Cassandra Clare and um, you know, like the, the big names that yeah. are in YA right now. So it makes sense that hers were um, a little shorter. Mm-hmm. But it was... Such a good experience to be able to just get through that line and be done oh, for yeah. the day. Yeah, even <laughs> even if I was like completely awkward and did not know what to say to her at all. And That's got, if that happened, right? Yeah, like I like I got the autograph and I and I was she's just like hey and like, how are you or something like that and I was like good and I was like thank you. Was, <laughs> I mean, don't really it. have time for anything else. I, I mean, feel like with as low as that line was, I definitely could have we could have talked a little, but right. I'm not like beating myself up over it. But it, it was very. <laughs> awkward um but also i mean i didn't want to be like hey i studied post-colonial literature or something given right. the, given the fact that and my girlfriend's vietnamese yeah and <laughs> and given the fact that uh in her book there is a post-colonial literature professor that is not a great person <laughs> so if i, I was, and also white yeah and i was like i don't really want to bring this up and just make this even more awkward about like hey i studied this stuff and then yeah. she's like oh great great like, you're just like that person yeah in the book. there's like the, the one character where she's like trying to tell the vietnamese characters about their culture and i was like nope don't want to don't want to do that by any means but it was a great experience though, and I got like a little uh, like promo card yeah. that was awesome it was because so weird and cool. Well, the the kind of concept of that book is that the main character is haunted by like this mm-hmm. like young woman ghost that is attached and to so her. It, and is it a view in the mirror? I think it it or a, I, a picture. It was like a photo, yeah. yeah and she has the ghost kind of has her arms around her well, from behind. I, yeah. in, if, if I remember correctly from you telling me, like photos were such a big like symbol in the book Absolutely, of like yeah. things that were going on or yeah. could be going on. Well, she found like old photos yeah. of like the original like owners of the house and things yeah. like that. But it was just an awesome little additional thing that was thrown in there. I didn't expect that at all. Right. Um, and that was awesome. It's just a cool little, little uh, kind of extra, I guess. Yep. But yeah, we got those signatures. That was great. Um, we didn't get any other signatures. No. And honestly, I, I am glad that we, Okay, going forward, mm-hmm. I don't know that I would change anything. Yeah. I think maybe I would stand in line for, like, I, I might try to get a wristband mm-hmm. next year. Yeah. I do want to go to the panels that we do need to pay for, like the opening keynotes and mm-hmm. stuff like that, just because I do think that maybe that lays out. Yeah. Here's what's going on, guys. Right. <laughs> and it's also, like, that's the stuff that I feel is a little bit more curated as well. Yeah. Because if they're taking people's money for it. Right. And that sure was the one directed. where you, it, the panels, or the, so the panels that we went to were non-purchase panels. Mm-hmm. And the panels that were purchase events felt more like, like, fangirl fanboy, where here's yeah. where you can, like, fawn over these really big name authors right mm-hmm. now. Whereas the the other panels felt more, uh, in my mind, they felt more personal. Here's writing. Yeah, yeah. The the free ones were much more about the craft, and yeah. the other ones felt like they were about, like, here, 
get to see your favorite authors mm-hmm. talking and hear from them and yeah kind of have fan, donuts with them yeah like fan um, out i actually have a list of like briefly the titles that were purchase events and mm-hmm. so you can kind of hear the differences yeah um so D, uh, disney publishing donut social event that was one where you could have donuts with your your authors mm-hmm. um red carpet preview yeah you literally get to figure out what's coming out mm-hmm. they were doing giveaways opening keynote that just kind of lays it all out for you um then there was spotlight panels, which, again, that was, this is, like, big information. Or mm-hmm. this, maybe they did, like, spoilers. Or maybe they did, like, uh, here is this coming out soon. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was, like, a YA Smackdown where they did, like, games. Yeah. So there was a few, like, games and stuff like that that we missed. But uh, for a free event, <laughs> we did get some information. And we went to four panels. And this was on Saturday. One, two, three, yeah. Yeah, to kind of set the stage. Friday was a nice sunny day, maybe a little hot out. (laughs) And we were standing in line for a lot of autographs. Um, Saturday was very cold and raining, so we were in the same theater at the Music Hall, I think it was. Yeah, at the Charleston Music Hall. Yeah, for basically the whole chunk of the day we were there, because we were just hanging out. Freezing. It worked out because they were actually panels that we had discussed previously that we wanted to go to. Right. So it did work out, and then we decided that we just weren't going to leave. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we bailed uh, We bailed on the last panel yeah. that we were going to stay for, and we'll talk about a little bit about that, I'm sure. It, it, but let's... Okay. To be clear, just because you're inside doesn't make it any less cold. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, people... Okay, I don't want to get into the negatives too quickly. I'm a, like, it's fine. Okay. So, that, people were going in and out during yeah. panels where authors were talking. Like, it yeah. wasn't... There was no lull in conversation. Right. And they were like, mm, let me dip. No, people were talking. People, and they're like, oh, I think I'm going to leave. For the entire hour, there were people going in and out of the yeah. doors. So, eventually, they got to the point where they're like, these doors are making too much noise. We're going to leave these propped open and just keep the lobby quiet. Well, propping open those doors let in all of the cold On the outside. Yeah, so we were freezing in there. <laughs> and it didn't stop people from getting up and going out and coming yeah. in and being loud in the lobby. Yeah. yeah. But it's fine. They were still in and out. It was a lot the of The weather that. is not Yawfest's problem. Right. No, of course yeah. not. But, and the panels were great. Like, I think it did encourage us to stay inside and enjoy those panels. Yes. And we did get some good information, and it was interesting and fun experience. Um, do you want to run down some of the panels yeah. and we can talk so about those a little? I am going to introduce the first panel we went to and then introduce the moderators and briefly give like some of the series or books that they wrote. Mm-hmm. They, they wrote. Um, so the first one that we went to was called Page Turners, Building Tension and Thrilling Readers. Um, it was moderated by Adam Silva, Silvera, who did We Both Die at the End, Alex Astor, Night Lark, Lightbane, or Light Lark, Nightbeam. I can't remember. I get those mixed up all right. the time. I think it's Light Lark. Um, Holly Black, who I have been reading since I was in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, when was that again? <laughs> um, so the first book I ever read by her was Tithe, uh-huh. which was part of her first like fairy series. But currently she's doing Cruel Prince. Um, well, that's the series that she's doing now, but that's the first book in the series. Um, Hafsa Faisal. I'm sure I butchered that. I'm really sorry. Um, she wrote We Hunt the Flame series and Tempest of Tea, which is coming out next year. And then Maureen Johnson did Truly Devious series. And then mm-hmm. Trang Tan Tran, she's a haunting. Yeah. So 
obviously we went to that one because mm-hmm. she was speaking and Aaron didn't even know that she was going to be in that panel initially. And I was right. just like, let's sit in for this one. Right. Yeah. I had no <laughs> idea. Cause I, to be fair, I didn't pay too much attention to the panels cause I didn't know which ones we were going to go to, mm-hmm. but, but yeah, that one was all about, like you said, kind of building tension, how to create uh, like suspense in your novels, how to keep people like invested in the story, turning the pages. Yeah. They talked a lot about cliffhangers Mm -hmm. and kind of how to like put your characters in problematic situations, giving them obstacles, making them interesting. Um, One thing that I took away too was, um, half, I say her name wrong again. Yeah. Hafsa, Hafsa Faisal, Mentioned, I think it was her. She mentioned mm-hmm. how, as a reader or as a writer, if she needs a break, that means the character needs a break, mm-hmm. and that's how you like, you you separate the tense moments, and that's how you separate right. this breakneck speed. Mm-hmm. If you're exhausted reading or writing it, there should be a break there, and the yeah. character needs a break. And I thought that was really neat mm-hmm. to to kind of put your head into the mind of the character. Mm-hmm. Um, and then another thing that I took away. And it was from her specifically as well, is try it as you might to not put yourself in your work. Mm. It's still probably going to come through. Yeah. Yeah. Because she said that she was like, well, my parents are going to read this. Um, I don't want to put too much of myself into it. And then she went back and read it and she was like, yeah, yeah, this is me. (laughs) Well, that's like that age old thing that like most authors have talked about is like, whether you're trying to do a self-insert character or not, like most likely elements of your personality are going to come through with one or more of the characters because it's your book. I mean, you're writing those characters. It is your mind and your thoughts and your kind of creative ideas that are building out that world. And um, something that stuck with me in that panel, I think it was this one. It's all kind of a blur at this (laughs) point um, was uh, one of the questions was like, well, how do you, like like if you feel like there's a lull and you feel like the tension may be breaking, oh, yeah. like what's the best thing to do? Um, and they were like, well, just make things worse. Holly Black said that. Yeah, just she make... like, oh, make it terrible. Yeah, make it worse. <laughs> like put another obstacle out there, it, you know, give your character something else, physical, mental, or both that they have to work through and that will create more tension mm-hmm. regardless. And also like... It builds the resilience of your characters. Well, and then um, I think they also mentioned that if you're trying to build tension and you're not sure how, and I think it was this one, um, put your fear in there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So whatever you're afraid of, it's probably going to resonate with somebody and Mm -hmm. build tension for somebody. So if you're afraid of heights, put your character in an airplane that's like falling from the sky or something. Right. Yeah. So uh, that was a (laughs) Right. That was a really interesting... I'm going to backtrack a little bit. Often we could forget that writers or actors or, you know, that celebrities in some way are still people Mm. at -hmm. the end of the day. And so to be able to sit there for free, I'm going to keep saying that. Right, right. (laughs) To be able to sit there for free and learn from them and, and listen to them talk, it was such a weird but exciting experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, you also we also learned that Maureen Johnson has nine days for her for her due date for her next book. Yeah, and man, that's really peeking behind the publishing curtain because she has nine days and she's still doing author events. Yeah. yeah. So when's she gonna get that done? Right, right. Back in the hotel room, probably right. gonna be working on it. Yeah. So 
That first one was good. It really set a tone for what these mm-hmm. these panels are going to look like. I really liked the first one. And it did make me... Um, so, Adam Silvera was the moderator for that. Mm-hmm. Just him moderating. He had great pacing. He was a good storyteller. It made me want to read his book. Yeah. And I think that's what these are for. Mm-hmm. Um, for them to get out there and be like, look, this is me. This is what I did. This is my art. It's a big part of it. Yeah. So, yeah, I really want to read his books now. For sure. Um, right. Next panel. Yes. Next sticky note. <laughs> um, so at 1 p.m., so that's at 12 p.m. So we, like I said, these are hour long. We just sat here. Um, Romanticy. Love is a world-building universe. Oh, actually, let's backtrack. Because the way that they did questions <laughs> oh, was very different. I was going to, yeah. Through each panel. Yeah. Do you want to do it at the end? No, we can go ahead and get okay, some of that. I'm so, trying not to be too negative because no, we not. had such a good time. So there was 20 minutes left. Yeah. When Adam did his, mm-hmm. and then he saw that the line was kind of long, and he was like, okay, um, you can ask your question, and then only one of us is going to answer. I thought that was great. Right. There was no, like, this my question is for Holly Black. There was not a lot of that. Right. Um, it The questions he did, he was like, we need, because I wanted them to know what the, the panel experience was like. Uh, yeah, no, of course, um, He yeah. said, okay, we have a few minutes for questions. Um, make sure the questions are, are something that all of us can answer. Yeah. So anytime you have an audience, you're going to have people who want to ask questions and then you're going to have people who want to think of a question while they're in line to ask a question. Mm -hmm. And so just briefly, there were questions that were already answered throughout any of these panels. There was questions that was already answered, but people wanted to get out there and ask that question or ask a form of that question. So I think that audience questions are not necessary but not at these events if they're going to be an hour long yeah and and so the issues were were it was a lot it was very clear that it was a lot of people that wanted desperately to talk to right people authors that they were a fan of like people that they idolized Mm -hmm. like kind of celebrities that they enjoy a lot they really wanted to talk to them even if their questions were way too broad to be answered in a quick q a or if they were so specific that they were only for one author, yep. or if they were just rewordings. Yeah, there's a lot of those. A lot of rewording of questions, and a lot of like rambling. A lot of like telling their personal mm-hmm. stories and why they got invested in the books and why they loved it, and a lot of like personal kind of gushing over the material before they get to the question. Um, so it just it ate up a lot of time. Uh, and with an audience like that, I mean, I just, I don't think that they're primed enough to ask meaningful questions that can realistically be answered that will not make other panelists uncomfortable. Because yeah. on one of the panels that we went to, it was uncomfortable. three of the authors were very big and three of the authors were not. Newer, one of them had like maybe yeah. two books out. Yeah. Um, one of them had like a trilogy out. So almost yeah. every question was geared towards the three more yep. famous authors. And I would be willing to bet at least three quarters of that question time was mm-hmm. those three. The other three at the end of the table were mostly kind of quiet and mm-hmm. just kind of looking on. Um, they didn't really give and much they, input. They sat on the other side of the table, which yeah. was awkward. Cause it like, just, people, it, they were trying, the big authors were trying to look down their way, but it was right. obvious that like the question was geared towards those bigger authors. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that, I think <laughs> that that's something that, that, 
started to irritate me a little bit. I got a little yeah. anxious. I got a little secondhand embarrassment Yeah, that from was it. one of the last panels that yeah, we went to, I Yeah, yeah. Well, it was the last okay, one. Yeah. yeah. Because, I, I mean, and even throughout the rest of them, I was getting a little secondhand embarrassment. Because yeah. you could tell the authors were a little uncomfortable. And they're like, well, some of these are good questions, but we do not have time to answer these. And we got to get through the line to try yeah. to make sure everybody can speak. And they don't cut off the line at any point. Like, people will keep lining up a lot of times. And again, it just, it really feels like... I think that a like, good structure would be like 10 people. Yeah, yeah. Well, 10 people ask a question. The ideal structure is to have people send questions in beforehand. Yeah. And then the moderator just reads their question. Picks some questions Yeah, out. and mentions their name. Yeah. Um, because that's ideal. That way, that way you don't have to go through the time sink yeah. of people lining up, giving their life story, going through all of that. They could, Them trying to think of how to word their question. Yeah, they could waiting for the it. mic guy to bring the mic up. Yeah, it's <laughs> a lot of that stuff. Whenever you're on like a tight hour yeah. schedule, because another panel's and coming I in, and I do can't not do like it. movement while other people are talking. Yeah, and it's it, it was incredibly uncomfortable. But anyway, uh, we, all right, we but can that's get all to, we're gonna really say probably on the on the negatives. <laughs> yeah, because it just um, that really did irritate me, and that's why we left before <clears> that last one because. Yeah. We weren't super interested in the topic, but also we were getting pretty restless and uncomfortable. And cold. And, yeah, so we, <laughs> we left after that. All right, so um, we're going to go right back into it. Romanticy, Love is a World Building Universe. Um, it was Margaret, uh, moderated by Margaret Stoll. Um, and uh, Margaret Stoll did Beautiful Creatures. It had Alex Astor on it. We already talked about that. Stephanie Garber, she did a Carval series and uh, trilogy, and then she did another spinoff trilogy. Uh, J.L., Wings of Ebony and House of Marion, Jason June, The Spells We Cast, Out of the Blue, and then Melissa De La Cruz, we talked about her doing the Blue Blood series, and then Angela Montoya, Sinner's Isle. Mm -hmm. So this one is, um, it was uh, a lot. Yeah. (laughs) Because it was a little bit of everything. This was the most chaotic one. Yes. But I think the topic lends itself to a little bit more chaos. Because it... Because you have to be mindful that this is YA. Yeah. And so with that and romance, yeah, there's a fine line. Yeah. And then romanticy wasn't always a fantasy genre. Yeah. Um, it was uh, Melissa De La Cruz mentioned how it was almost like uh, a negative to mm-hmm. have your work be called romanticy. Oh yeah, it was and so after for a COVID, um, feelings became more important. Right. Like we talked about before. Right, right. <laughs> and so, I think she mentioned that, actually. She mentioned that, like, feelings are a big deal now. I think, and, like, and all of them mentioned COVID during yeah. that panel. Every oh, single yeah. author mentioned it, yeah. All of them were writing during COVID. Right. All yeah. of them. Yeah. And it was... And I think, again, I think it was a little more chaotic, too, because people are very passionate about mm-hmm. relationships and characters that get in and out of relationships and the will they want they and the frenemies yeah. and the and so this one was like stuff. this one was about um building up to that mm-hmm. and how to develop a relationship mm-hmm. um some of the questions that were answered were uh, did you know that you wanted this character to be in a relationship with this person? Right. And some of them were like, yeah, I knew from the very beginning that mm-hmm. I wanted him to be with her and I built my story around that and there was a few uh, there were a few people that said, "Nope, I wanted him to wanted her to be with somebody else, and it just didn't work out that way. Right. And she ended up with this guy, and that's just how the words were told to me. And so I thought it was really interesting to listen to how stories come to people. Oh yeah, and how much planning each one does. Right. Um, even in the first panel, they 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 both panels mentioned outlining 
some outline, some don't. Some Holly Black didn't even doesn't even ever know what her ending is. Right, right. <laughs> so it it's it's very interesting to hear from many different people. And then Angela Montoya, um, just to show some distinction, Melissa De La Cruz has been writing for a really long time, and Angela mm-hmm. Montoya has her debut. So mm-hmm. it ranged in terms of um, amount of work, mm-hmm. length of writing age experience it was it was very interesting to see kind of how they interacted with each other and how different they were from each other also because this is another panel where they're like yeah I, I did put a little bit of myself into it and I, I did put my significant other because they they were asked um, how much of their real life was in their book and some of them were like yeah this is my significant other uh, Stephanie Garber said that it was, uh, she was writing after a breakup, I believe. Mm-hmm. I think that was her that mentioned that, right? I think so. Again, it's and all so blur. <laughs> you'll see, like, there are moments where in her book, or one of them said, I can't remember, in their book, the emotion that you're invoking is to get the reader to cry or be sad. And it was because as they were writing, they were, cry- they were crying or they were sad. So it, it was a... It was a lot more of a feelings talk, which I really liked, Um, and how, whether they had a significant other or not, if they were still able to produce romance, uh, was really interesting. Yeah, I think think my highlight for that one was uh, the conversations about, like, toxic characters Mm -hmm. and um, the way that they, like, balance the fantasy of, like, being attracted to, like, a toxic dangerous character really versus like the the real world yeah. stuff yeah it was really great because i think that with that genre in particular and maybe it's a stereotype of the genre but i do feel like with that genre in particular a lot of fans can really get lost in mm-hmm. that narrative and find that those things are like actually appealing yep. and actually attractive and one of the authors pointed out that um yeah that like in fantasy the 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 dangerous guy that's like murderous and like kind of yeah yeah, it's like such an attractive quality but then in real life if that person is after you you're like no please call the cops yeah like like, get out of this (laughs) like what is happening yeah and she's like you know none of us really want to be with i appreciate that they made that distinction because you're right like so many people get get lost in the weeds and they're like Mm -hmm. well it was in this book that i read but like that's a book and it's hard for people it it is obvious that it is hard for some people to separate reality from fiction. Yeah, and they're not. It's not them um, praising mm-hmm. the bad guy. It's right. it is a. The, somebody mentioned that it's almost a natural inclination mm-hmm. for people to find uh, danger sexy yeah. or appealing. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that. Even if it's not overt, even if, like, the person reading the book isn't like, oh, it was in that book, that makes it okay, mm-hmm. I think that sometimes subtly that can influence yeah. us. Because if we're regularly reading that <clears throat> and we're getting, like, attracted to those types of themes or those types of characters, I think that it can be pretty easy for us to even kind of subconsciously start to change our expectations or form our values around that. Because, I mean... It's the way our expectations and values are formed is the interactions we have and the media we consume and the art we enjoy. 
So yeah, I th- that was what stood out to me, and they and they mentioned that very early mm-hmm. on, which I think was great because that way they were able to kind of nip it in the bud and be like, hey. I know what we're know. talking about, but listen. Yeah, but like <laughs> this is not okay in the real world. Like yeah. this is attractive in this because it's a fantasy thing, but we're not endorsing this type of behavior, these types of characters, which there's a larger conversation that could be had about the representations of those types of characters in general. But I, I, again, that was the standout moment. So the prime example is Twilight, right? Mm-hmm. Every, almost every single one of them said that they got their start writing because of Twilight. As an adult, I understand that the relationship in Twilight was not a healthy relationship. Right. He's a vampire. He literally sucks blood and yeah. sparkles, but we don't need to anyway. Right. Um, I loved Twilight when I was mm-hmm. growing up. As an adult, I can al- analyze it and see that like Edward's not so great, and right. neither is Jacob. You shouldn't be Team Edward or Team Jacob. Right. You should be Team Charlie because he loved his daughter. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, yeah, I think that <clears throat> I think that was a good example, and they and each of the authors brought that up, like you mentioned, and yeah. like, or I think most of them, if not all of yeah. them, said Twilight influenced them a lot. But yeah, yeah. So I, I just wanted to make sure to throw that in there. But um, we can move on to the next panel if okay. you want to. We yeah. did talk a lot about that one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that one I thought was really interesting. Mm-hmm. It just it was very chaotic, and that one those questions went on. The audience questions went on forever. Yeah. Yeah. Because they were asking a lot of hyper-specific yes. questions about relationships. Um, so, the next panel we went to was called Sequels Schmeekles, mm-hmm. Stories Told Over Several Books. This one had, and I have my notes, um, Maggie Tokuda Hall. She wrote the Mermaid, the Witch, and the Sea series. Laura Nolan, If He Had Been With Me. Namina Forn. I mean, if we if he had been with me is now um, a series. Mm. It was not before. Namina Forna, the Gilded Ones, Stephanie Garber again, Adam Silvera again, and Laura Taylor Namie, who did the British Girls Guide. Mm-hmm. So this one focused on series, obviously, mm-hmm. um, and what it takes to write series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot um, about sequels yeah. and like how they got in. Into writing sequels, what encouraged them to write sequels, um, their experiences with that, uh, the outlining, the structuring of it, mm-hmm. the planning, all of those elements. The funniest thing to me, uh, so Laura Nolan, like I said, did the If He Had Been With Me book 10 years ago, mm-hmm. I believe. Yeah, and I she, think she said, said it was 10 years that ago. she wrote that as a standalone. And two years ago, um, Somebody told her that she needed to listen to the audiobook version. The audiobook version of her book came out, and the um, audiobook narrator came to her and said, Hey, please listen to this. Mm-hmm. Let me know if I need to make any changes. Right. And she listened to it, and it brought her characters back to life for her. Mm-hmm. Which, that's crazy. They're, those were her characters, and somebody else made them alive again for her after 10 years. Right. And so then she said, there is more life in these stories. Mm-hmm. And the entire time she's like, yeah, I don't know why I'm up here. I don't know what happened. <laughs> right. this, you know, I was not a series writer. I'm a solo book writer and here we are. So I have no advice. <laughs> and it also sounds like she was the only one up there that wrote more like realistic fiction as well. Um because yeah. yeah, because they mentioned that a couple of times that one of the main things about like a lot of them is that they were writing fantasy or sci-fi yeah. or like speculative fiction to a degree, and she was talking about 
like writing more yeah. like realism. Like, There's a lot more. It was more... like it was a, uh, and I don't know a lot about it except what I've heard. But it it, it seems like it's like a high school mm-hmm. situation between a couple. Yeah. And it, it, it yeah it everybody's been through it. Right. And that was an interesting panel too. Just hearing the degree of like. You had people who knew that they wanted like a trilogy right. and they shopped it out for a trilogy. And then you had people that knew that uh, was determined to just write one book and do a yep. one-off. Because um, yeah. the same thing happened to Adam Silvera, who mm-hmm. did We Both Die at the End. Um, he said that he wrote that book as a standalone as well. Mm-hmm. And then there was a demand for it. And also he felt... Like, there was more life in it. And then, after writing the sequel, he then went to go write a trilogy. So, he went from a standalone author to a series writer. So, he said that he's not doing any more series after this. Mm -hmm. And it's very difficult. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Seems like it would be. Yes. Because you have to... Well, in the publishing world, first of all, you have to present a trilogy. Mm -hmm. And then they got to pick it up. Yeah. And then you have to end each book with some kind of closing, but resolution. with enough with enough meat on the bones mm-hmm. to have more story. Right. And and if you know it's going to they talked a little bit about if you know it's going to be a trilogy or a series in advance, one of the most difficult things is finding out where to like break the story up because if you've got the idea for the story and it's kind of outlined across multiple books, you might not exactly know where each book mm-hmm. needs to end. And one of the authors said that uh, they like the, they like it because it's like a three-act structure. Like you can treat each book as if it's an act of the three-act structure, which is very, very interesting to think about. Mm-hmm. Um, and it does hold up for a lot of famous trilogies. I mean, I was thinking about film and I thought about Star Wars. Right. Um, that's a almost a perfect three-act structure because... Uh, you know, the original trilogy, because the yeah the, conflict would build up to the bigger conflict. Right. Well, there's like the well, battles the, within wars. Well, the fir- the first movie would yeah. be like the setup where they introduce mm-hmm. the characters, they build up the world, you get the conflict, all that. Uh, they have a victory at the end. The second one is the setback because that's yeah. where the empire basically pushes back, and the third one is the resolution and like the major climax and reveals. I can see how that would be very difficult to separate into books. Mm-hmm. If you have the whole story in your head and you, you're like, well, where does this get broken up? Where do I pause? And again, like you said, you have to have some type of resolution to make your reader feel like, okay, well, this book did something for me. Instead mm-hmm. of like, oh, well, this is an unfinished thing. Now I have to sit here kind of unsatisfied waiting for the next book or, you know. Right. So. And and they also mentioned there was different types of series mm-hmm. and different types of sequels. So you can continue the story or you can do a companion. Right. So like Laura Nolan is doing a companion. Mm-hmm. Um, Laura Taylor Namey is doing a semi-companion, but with a different point of view character. Mm-hmm. Um, Adam Silvera did both, I think. I think mm-hmm. in his uh, We Both Die at the End, he did a companion story. And then he's doing a traditional trilogy. Mm-hmm. So just because it's a sequel doesn't necessarily mean it's... And a sequel is a, a weird thing, too. Um, series, is it would have been better because Adam Silvera mentioned that his was more like a prequel. Yeah. And sequels are not prequels. Right. They're different. <laughs> it's the other way. Right. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> um, so it, it would have been like series smearies would have been a good one. But that's right. okay. I mean, if I, you're listening, you can hire me. I can do some planning. Uh, right. right. <laughs> I, li- I like that panel quite a bit, though. I did. I, I really did. A, I and really um, Maggie Takuda Hall... 
has a great voice for dictating mm, mm-hmm. like direction. Yeah. Just when she talks, she is sweet, but mm-hmm. like commanding. Yeah. And I, I thought it was perfect to be a moderator. For sure. No. I and if, she, if she if she read her own audiobooks, mm-hmm. I think I would enjoy her audiobooks. For sure. Yeah. She had a great yeah. voice for it. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Um. Okay. So then um, the next and final panel that we went to was... Monsters, Myth, and Maps, like I said, we didn't really go to them. We just sat in on them. <laughs> um, is that the last? Yeah, that's the last one. <clears throat> so that one was moderated by Margaret Stoll. And then it also had um, <clears throat> Amelie Wenzel, uh, who wrote Blood Air, Song of Silver, Flame Like Night. Shelby Mahurin, who wrote Sil- Serpent and Dove series. Lee Bardugo, Ninth House, Shadow and Bone. Namina Forna, The Gilded Ones, and Cassandra Clare, Shadow and Bone series. Or not Shadow and Bone, uh, Shadow Hunter series. Yep. Um, <clears throat> so, big names were in this one. This is the one that we mentioned previously, where it was kind of separated between, like, the... Um, three big names on the left like, side, yeah. three lesser-known people on the right like side. Like, veterans, like, almost like a challenge series. Veterans. Right, right. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so, this one, they discussed... Uh, map building, mythology, mm-hmm. creating monsters. Um, the thing I thought was coolest was that uh, Lee Bardugo. Oh gosh, the Volt Volt. What did I say? Voltra Volt. The winged creatures. Yeah. In Shadow and Bone, <coughs> she modeled after uh, Alien. Mm-hmm. So I yeah. thought that was really cool. Yeah. That- I think the coolest part of that entire panel was them talking about the monsters. I mean, they didn't yeah. touch on the map stuff very much. I mean, except for like getting people to draw their maps and how they. <laughs> That's really funny. It, the funniest bit was probably uh, Shelby Marin for for Serpent and Dove. Yeah, because she said that they told her like, "Yeah, give us like a rough drawing of your map of the world," <laughs> and she thought that they would like take it and touch it up and stuff. But they just took the map that she roughly drew and then just filled it in with things. And she's the one who it turned out just to look like South America. This looks like South America. (laughs) Yeah, and you looked it up in the middle of the panel, and it literally (laughs) looked identical to South America. It's just a chunky South America. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But I thought the monster talk was the best part because they all talked about like monsters from like their youth, right? And myth and monster go hand in hand a lot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And they talked about like the different cultural inspirations Mm -hmm. and. Um, specifically, uh, that one author mentioned like West African culture. Uh, Sierra Leone. Yeah. And yeah. she, and she talked a lot about like, you know, uh, uh, Watamami, I believe was the, the name of the water spirit, uh, that she was mm-hmm. like afraid. Her mom always threatened that like it would come and take her Through away. The marshland. Yeah. And yeah. And it, it just, it was nice seeing that like across cultures, they have these like different iconic creatures that are <clears throat> used as sort of like parenting stories mm-hmm. like to keep kids in line more or less yeah. and uh i thought that was really interesting this is one um where the the one of the questions was what do you think is most important and it was a very difficult thing to answer because monsters and myths go hand in hand mm-hmm. and they also asked like what your favorite um monster is or what your what monster you're kind of mm-hmm. um enthralled by but maybe even scared of and namina said that mermaids mm-hmm. were uh, the scariest and 
you know, you often think of like Ariel, because she, she mentioned this as well. <clears throat> you think of Ariel and how she had just finished watching Ariel when her grandmother had told her the story about the sea monster coming and, and yeah. getting little kids. And she was like, what do you mean? Like, I want to go. Ariel can take me. Right. But right. so many people don't understand that um, there's a lot of scary myths mm-hmm. about mermaids as well. And how they could look like the um, what the anglerfish. Yeah, like the deep the sea creatures. Big, yeah, they usually have yeah. like weird, like bad vision mm-hmm. um, during like regular day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, they have enlarged mouths, sharp teeth. Mm-hmm. So you can paint a very scary picture of a mermaid. And I I think sometimes we forget that. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And just to correct myself real quick, I got the name backwards. It's Mommy Wata, not the oh. other way around. But, <laughs> but yeah, that's the same water spirit that she was like, yeah, yeah. mermaid. Like, yeah, take me. Right. <laughs> like, so yeah, I, I thought that, that was super interesting because they mentioned a lot of like kind of more modern ones, but also ones that we've like, touched up to make them more palatable and yeah. like you know a little bit more disney-ified i guess right so. um because uh Am- amelie mm-hmm. she mentioned her grandmother telling her stories too and hers were a lot more ca- cautionary and like she took them as cautionary instead mm-hmm. of being like yeah i do i do want that um her novels have a lot of like uh dragons like mm-hmm. chinese dragons and and chinese lore so yeah. i I really, I wish that they were able to talk more. I do too. I about really their do books. too. Um, and then Serpent and Dove, I believe, is vampire because Shelby mm-hmm. said that vampires were kind of her go-to for mm-hmm. for horror or any kind of anything because they're vampires. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so I thought that was really neat. It this panel got cut short. Mm-hmm. Twenty minutes in. They knew that they needed to do questions, questions, which I felt cheated a little bit. Oh, it felt like it um, cheapened the whole experience. So it really did. this had Lee Bardugo and Cassandra Clare and Margaret Stoll, who all have novels and movie adaptations. Mm-hmm. So let's start. Let's start there. Yep. But it also had three people who didn't. Right. And so Margaret Stoll was very clear: make sure your questions can be answered by multiple people. I understand that this is kind of a big deal. Keep in mind that there are other people up here and other people yeah. behind you. <sighs> people didn't really take that advice well. This question is for, um, well, originally it was for Lee Bardugo, but anybody can answer it. Like, that was something we heard yeah. a lot. It was. It felt um, like it was constant. It's in, And it was... And it was very much directed at, it, even the ones where they didn't say that, it was clear that yeah. it was directed at certain authors and mostly the three big names. One so. of the questions was kind of cool, but did not pertain to the topic. Mm-hmm. It was uh, it was talking about movie adaptations and how you feel yeah. while your, your art is being created into different formats. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they said that, you know, a lot of hands are in the pie mm-hmm. by the time your uh, book is adapted. And your director's, barber's, wife's, right. daughter, sister, whatever, wants to have this input. Mm-hmm. And you're like, well, why? And it doesn't matter because all the ideas are thrown in there. Yep. And you have to sort through it. Um, and it was it's kind of a hard thing to sit there and, and say, I want all of this mm-hmm. on there because that's not necessarily how filming works. That's not necessarily how 
Um, the person that's picked up your work wants to do stuff. Right. And, um, well, Lee Bardugo mentioned how she takes things kind of day by day Mm -hmm. because Netflix has a tendency to cancel things. Right. And we found out today that they actually canceled her Shadow and Bone show. Yeah, um, after two seasons. After two seasons. So she, I think she kind of saw it coming. Mm -hmm. Um, And, I mean, that's Netflix. But, so... Just because it's it's done someplace doesn't necessarily mean it's done to her. So right. I think that I think that was really interesting that they mentioned the movie thing, um, because we watch movies and we have read the books and we understand that it's not going to be exactly how we want, but that's not their fault. Yeah, and I think the interesting little tidbit that they mentioned about that was they mentioned the TV show The Bear, <clears throat> um, and they mentioned how like The Bear was created basically on the set uh, where another major TV show is being filmed. So they didn't have a ton of input. Right. So the like initial creative team was more tightly it knit. It was a little more under the radar. And it was more, and they were able to like keep outside opinions from influencing it. So they were able to create something that was much closer to their vision. And then that show blew up. I mean, that's mm-hmm. one of the best TV shows I've seen in years. And it's, it's so well written. Not on Netflix. Uh, no, that's a Hulu show. Yeah. 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 It's one of the best I've seen in years. And it has direction. It has vision. Yeah. It's focused. It's contained. And I think that that speaks to, again, that idea that too many cooks in the kitchen, like, you know, the bear the cook, cook show. Right. Anyway, um, but I, I think that that's a, I think that's an important thing that we don't remember because with a book, it's usually one person sits down and writes it. You might have an, a couple of editors that look over it and give some input but if on a set of a TV show or a movie, you've got like the film crew, you've got the director, you've got the showrunner, you've got the writers, you've got you know the, all of the again the relatives and things that want input. You've got the actors. It, just on any given day, you've got fifty plus people, uh, depending on the size of the production, that have fifty plus different ideas of mm-hmm. what that should look like. Uh, where with a book, and half it's, of them maybe read the book. Yeah, right. <laughs> and with with an individual person, it's usually like, all right, I can write this book. This is my vision, my idea. Let me stick to it. Right. So, I thought that was super interesting, and I was just glad that someone shouted out the bear because yeah. that show's great. Lee Bardugo did that. <laughs> yeah, 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 it was great. Um, also, I'm gonna say it again. Like Lee Bardugo is big right yeah. now, and Cassandra Clare is big right now. Yeah. Um, we saw them for free. Right, <laughs> I know right. I said that, but like we saw them for free. And yeah. I don't want them to charge for that. But it it is a very I can't I can't think of the word, but like it, it was a very good experience mm-hmm. to be able to understand that these people are here yeah. and they're not necessarily making a profit off of you. Right. They are trying to get their information out there and i'm sure book sales come out of stuff like this but absolutely at the end of the day they just they're they're just talking yeah and i think that that's that's what a lot of literary communities do more than other areas of pop culture because other forms of media like television film stuff like that it feels to me at least uh, and i don't have any data to back this up but it feels much more driven mm-hmm. by income, by profit. Right. And that's um, why you have to pay to get authors, or not authors, to get celebrities to sign. Yeah, so. yeah. And even, you know, and again, we mentioned Cassandra Clare. You had to have a copy of her latest book. Mm-hmm. That kind of attaches some sales to it, and there's a little barrier there. 
Um, but overall, I mean, it, it really did feel like a pretty good thing. I mean, it, yeah. fe- it felt like they were doing it more altruistically, and it was like much more for the people rather than to put money in their pockets. Even though obviously they're plugging their books, they're yeah. they're talking about their new releases and stuff. But they which were also plugging great. like Blue Bicycle. Yeah, because yeah. that is a small business mm-hmm. who does a big thing. Absolutely. Um, but at the end of the day, they're a small business. Yep. And I thought it was really cool for people who have fame to remember their roots. Yeah. Because Margaret Stoll, she she started this festival in Charleston with Blue Bicycle, um, and she even was like, you know, it wouldn't be possible had blue bicycle not reached out right yeah so of course it is it's a really um exciting experience to have like been through yeah. um i do want to if the weather is better <laughs> next year maybe kind of walk around a little bit more yeah and maybe get more autographs but by the end we were so cold <laughs> oh yeah and it was but it was such a fun trip yeah. overall, and it, and it was a great experience, and I'm super glad that things like this exist out there, especially for like aspiring young authors, mm-hmm. um, because to have a YA festival that is directed at them where they have such easy access to their idols, the people that they care right. about and the people that they're role models. And the information you know? they were providing was not YA specific. Yeah. No, it was just great writing advice. I don't know advice. that any of it was YA specific. Like, this is yeah. how you write a YA. No, like, this is how you write. Or yeah. this is how you read or organize or, you know, it, it was not if you, even if you weren't necessarily a huge fan of YA, but you were an aspiring writer, mm-hmm. you would benefit for something like this. Absolutely. But I don't think I really have anything else on the conference. I don't um, I think that we covered most of it. Um, we typically like to end episodes of this podcast with some recommendations, and we do want to keep that the same this yeah. time. Uh, we're going to recommend a couple of books from the show um, or from the, the festival that really stood out to us that now we're very interested in getting to. Um, I'll go ahead and throw out a couple of mine. We've talked about them a couple times. Uh, first one is The Gilded Ones by Namina Forma. Uh, this is the one that's inspired by African mythology and like, uh, it seems to be very brutal. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's also very much embedded in culture and colonialism and things like that. So it's right up my alley for stuff that I enjoy reading. Uh, that, that one is something that is... When it was like strength of women. Yeah. 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 And it's, it's at the top of my list for sure, uh, coming out of the festival. Um, and very close below that is, uh, they both die at the end by Adam Severa. Um, again, we mentioned him, he, or he moderated one of the panels. He was on two of the panels that we saw, um, Great speaker, super enthusiastic. But hearing him describe, we, we'd heard of this book a few mm-hmm. times. Hearing but him, I don't dis- think I quite understood what it was about. I didn't either. Yeah, and hearing him describe it and explain the concept of uh, a service that you can purchase that will let you know when you die, mm-hmm. but you can't know when, or you you don't know how you'll die, but you learn when you'll die. Um, and it's a couple of people that learn about that, and yeah, it's kind of a developing. It remained. I remember yeah. something from the tension building panel that I thought oh, yeah. was really interesting. Um, one of the ways that they build tension is to just blatantly state what's going to happen. Oh yeah, and yeah. then let it unfold. Yeah. Um. And he said, "Yeah, I did that in the title of my book. Yep. They both die at the end. Yeah. All right. Now here's how we get there. That was funny. Yeah. <laughs> that made me think of that. No, yeah, and and again, such a great speaker that he really just kind of sold us on the book. But then hearing the concept, I think, was great as well. So that's definitely up my alley because it's kind of more literary, speculative fiction type stuff. It sounds like so. 
Uh, what recommendations do you I have? I have one, but I also have uh, the little blurb for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had never heard, well, it is her debut novel, so I'd never heard of Angela Montoya, mm-hmm. but listening to her speak about her novel, it made me very interested. Um, she portrayed it really well. She made it sound interesting. It, it's called Sinner's Isle, um, and I'll just briefly read this. A spellbinding romantic fantasy about a powerful witch who will do anything to escape the remote island she's being held captive on, including blackmail, a notorious charming oh, including blackmailing a notorious charming pirate who washes up on shore. On shore, Rosalinda is trapped on Sinner's Isle, an island filled with young women like her, majestics, beautiful witches, loathed by society for their dangerous magic, yet revered by powerful men who want to use them. Um, and it, it's pirates, first of all. Right, right. <laughs> that's something that I don't... We haven't really talked a lot about, like, pirate books, but mm-hmm. I mean, that is something that's coming up mm-hmm. uh, soon for us. But that is something that, like, I think that all kids find interesting. And, and I might a be lot wrong. Of kids do. A lot of kids do, for sure. <laughs> Even if yeah. to some extent. Because there's something about, like, being free on the water. You know, mm-hmm. it quotes, free on the water. Right. <laughs> um, but together they must outwit each other and their enemies before the offering ends and it's too late to escape the perils of Sinner Isle. If I'm not mistaken, I think that, um, is this the one where she mentioned that whenever they find, whenever they get off the island, they're stronger? Um, yeah. With I, the person that they love. Or, I, I believe Love it is was. a big thing, like yeah. a big deal yeah. in this. And the, I thought it was a really And there's some mystical quality story. to it. Yeah. yeah. For sure. So that's, that. I did choose that one because that's the one I'm really jazzed about. Mm-hmm. Um, I brought a lot of books. I, I have books from all of these, almost, like at least half of these authors mm-hmm. um, that I maybe haven't read. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, and I think that's just the nature of this type of, of show, right, of this type of festival. Uh, you're you're going to get introduced to stuff, and you're going to find that there's stuff that you already had, and you forgot right. it's on your shelf. So, <laughs> so but. I did I did run into that a little bit, and also I want to pick up Alex Astor's books because those sounded interesting. Mm-hmm. The Night uh, Light, Light Lark, Lark Night Bane. I think. I think that's it, or it might be Light Bane. Whatever you it's, know what I'm talking it's about. One of those, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, I think those sounded great too. Night, and, Light Lark and Night Bane. I think that's yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Those sounded really cool, and I got these really cool free bookmarks right. um, that are like hologram, holographic, hologram, holographic. They change, yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, they did give away a lot of free stuff. I just we never left our seats. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it was cool though. It was a very good experience, yeah. and we and we wanted to take like a special episode of the podcast to do this because we felt that if we put this into our mid month, it would be way long. It would have been a pretty bloated episode, and we want to keep that structure. And so. if not. If it wasn't long, then you weren't going to get anything out of it. Right. For sure. So, um, but we will probably wrap things up here um, and we will be back at the end of November for our wrap up of the month. Um, Mm -hmm. If you haven't listened to our first two episodes in November yet, it'd probably be good to listen to those first so you know what we're reading um, and you know what some of our goals are and our kind of mid-month thoughts Uh, But we'll be back uh, at the end of November with another regular episode just to kind of wrap things up, catch up on our TBR and tease next month's theme. So we can be found on Instagram at TalkBookie. We also have Goodreads. Mine is Goodreads.com backslash Marie and Aaron's is Goodreads.com backslash ATCole1400. We also have an email. It's TalkBookie at gmail.com. And we are on Apple, um, Google Podcasts, as well as Spotify. And Amazon. And Amazon. And Podbean. So Mm -hmm. um, 
anywhere where you see that you can subscribe or like or share, please do that because it really helps us get out there. Absolutely. Yeah. The ratings, the subscriptions, and obviously just listening and, you know, telling other people about it. If there's other people that read that might be interested in this kind of content, but, uh, but yeah, we appreciate you listening and sticking with us through this. It was a little less structured, a little more rambly, but I think it was a fun one because it's such a good experience that we wanted to share with everybody. So, uh, all right. Well, hopefully you'll hear from us again at the end of the month and maybe we'll hear from you if you write in or, nice review.